0: Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Revelation 12, 11 through 17. Revelation 12, 11 through 17. And I ask that you please stand as we read the Word of God this morning. Revelation 12, 11 through 17. It's nice to hear the pages (laughs) rustle. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and to the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of, great, of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time, time, and half a time from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of its mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. It is with pleasure this morning that we greet Sandy Harris for a message this morning. Nice to have her family with us as well. They're from the Three Angels Newington Church. Both it is all yours. you.
1: Good morning. Nice to see all of you. Just got a couple of things here. It's always a joy to come here and be with my friends in Middletown, Portland. Before we start with God's word, could we just have a little short prayer? Father, we want you to give us your word this morning. I don't want it to be from me. It has to come from you to benefit us. So we ask you now to come into our hearts, prepare our hearts to receive the words you've prepared to be given. And I pray, Father, that you will put your hand upon my voice and give me the ability to share with your people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're looking at the real war, the real battle. Where do you suppose that's going on? Pardon? Yes. In the mind, yes. Where? Everywhere, right? It's worldwide. It's not just in Afghanistan or Iraq or Vietnam. It's here for everybody worldwide. It's a battle that's within, and it's this real war started where? Yeah, and have it. Revelation 12, 7 through 9. The battle is for our minds. What were the weapons in this first war in heaven? What were the weapons? Was it guns? Words, yes, words. God's word versus Lucifer's words, right? Who do you trust? It had to do with trust, loyalty. There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon fought and his angels, and they prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. The great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out, where? Here. The earth and his angels were cast out with him. Wow. So we didn't just get him, we got one third of the angels in heaven too. Well, what were were Satan's words of war? Let's look at it, Isaiah 14, I know you know. Just quickly, In Isaiah fourteen, we're kind of told what was Lucifer's problem. It says, How are you falling from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How how is it that you're cast down to the ground? For you have said in your heart, where's your heart? Here. Here. Right? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, right? I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud and I will be what? Like the most high, right? Well, He would be like the Most High. Let's look at Matthew 4 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Someone want to read that, please? <clears throat> Anyone who has it, just read it. Am oh I? So, if they can't live without the words that come from God, how was it that Lucifer was living? It was God who gave him life, right? He was God's creation. God is the creator and he was a created being. But he was saying that he was going to sit above God's throne. Not on God's throne, but above it. That's, that's quite an assertion. don't you think? This is the basis of the real war. Whom do we believe? Who is our master? There's only two. Number one is God, right? His throne is where? In the heaven, right? Number two is Satan. His throne is where? It's down here. Well, let's look at where they are. Ephesians 6, 9. Let's take a little more detailed look. Because I have to tell you something. God made me take a deeper look this week. You know, about three weeks ago, someone put a little tiny paperback book in my hands. And when I read it, I had no idea what it was going to do to me, but it changed. It woke me up, and it made me realize that we need to hear some things that we haven't been hearing. We need to dig into the scriptures. This Wednesday, on prayer meeting at the Three Angels, Dr. Eric Walsh said something very simple, but to me very profound. He said that we have precious truth. We have many precious truths, but what we need is present truth. We need to be preparing for the coming of our Lord. And we may need to know some things that we don't think are important. But God went to a lot of trouble to write a book called, The Great Controversy, and many other books, Desire of Ages, Christ Object Lessons, to give us instruction for these last days. I've heard some things this week that scared me. The same person that gave me this book has a husband who had been out of work several weeks, maybe months. And in order to get compensation for that, he had to fill out papers and turn them in, which he did. And they gave him his money for the time he was out, but you know how they gave it to him? in a debit card, which he could only take certain amounts out each week. Because he went to transfer the money into his bank account, and he couldn't. He could only draw out a very limited amount. Those kind of changes, to me, scare me. What is it about truth that needs to be present? You know, let's look at Ephesians 6, verse 9. This little book made me look to Ephesians, and it made me look to Revelation, and it made me think about where we are in earth's history. As Fred brought out in Sabbath school, the little girl who said she was a cat. Teachers are being told to let the child be what they say they are. In times like these, we need present truth. We need to know what the war really is that we're fighting. In Ephesians 6, verse 9. Would someone read this to me? We're looking at where God's throne is. Would someone read that? Ephesians 6, 9, please. So the number one master, God, his throne is where? Heaven. Now, there's only two masters. The other one we know is Satan, Lucifer, the dragon, Satan, right? Where's his throne? Let's look. Pardon? If you want another text, Colossians 3.1, we could look at that, too. It says, if you then be risen with Christ, this is where God's throne is. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. That's where God sits. The right Christ is on the right hand of God, and it's above. It's in heaven. Now let's look at Revelation 2. And would someone read verse 13, please? don't have time to go into explicit details, but I'm challenging you this morning to go into Daniel, go back over that statue, go back over the dreams that Daniel had, and find out where this church period fits in. It's the church of Pergamos, which goes into Thyatira. It's the time period when papal Rome, the papal system was being formed and raised. This is where Satan's throne is. So we see a war between the throne in heaven and the throne down here. The throne in heaven is God, and he speaks to his people how? Through his word, through prayer, through nature, Spirit of prophecy. How important it is it then that we're where he can speak to us, right? Yeah. I want you to ask yourselves, where does the second master speak from? Where does his commands come from to his people? It comes from papal Rome. For many years, many years as an Adventist, I heard many things, and I read great controversy, but I shut my ears to some things. I used to say, it's conspiracy, that's nonsense, and I tossed it all aside. And most, a lot of it is but we need to read great controversy i suggest you go start with page 234 and 235 go today and read it and i'll say no more about that we need to we need to study we need to wake up we need to tune in i hear too much about that we need to watch and pray and be awake My sister Gladys brought up this morning the 10 virgins, five foolish, five wise. And she said it so accurately, five had lamps. What does the lamps represent? The word of God, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. But if you look carefully in Matthew 25, let's, let's go there. It's so familiar with us. Sometimes we miss it. <clears throat> the foolish took oil, took their lamps, and took no oil with them. What does the oil represent? The Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit go in the lamp? You see, these stories aren't perfect. You have to read them, and let God interpret them to you. The oil is the Holy Spirit, right? Does the Holy Spirit go in lamps? What is it significant of? Yes. Our hearts, our minds, yes. And it says, but the wise took oil, where? In their vessels, which is here and in their lambs. So they had the word of God, but it was implanted in them. You know, so often I it seems like we use our sinful nature as an excuse for sin. But you know what? I have read so many things that just I can't believe that's true. Desire of Ages, page 663 says there are not many ways to heaven. Each one may not choose his own way. Christ says, I am the way. No man comes to the Father but by me. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. This war we see, God threw the accuser of God out of the heaven, right? And now, what? Who's he accusing? The brethren right? He seeks to turn us constantly against each other. He seeks to have us find reasons not to believe anything he can use, anything to distract. Well, we have to come to the place where we know God. We know, I love that him, I know whom I am, believe it. We have to know who to believe, and we have have to live according to God's instructions. Who do we believe? Whose warnings do we heed? Where is our loyalty? We have choices, just like Adam and Eve did. We've been warned for years, just like Adam and Eve were, right? I want us to go back again to Ephesians 6, and this time I want someone to read verse 12, please, just 12. Mm-hmm. So the greatest war being fought is not between men. Men. It's not between flesh and blood. It's between spiritual rulers. It's a spiritual war. One with darkness and one with light. Do we know which war, which side we're on? I I pray each one here does. But we have to help others to know. Rulers of the darkness of this world, the battles against spiritual wickedness in high places, a throne in heaven and a throne in Rome. Is Rome a high place? Do they have a high chief there? You sure do. In Matthew 6, 24, we're told, no man can serve two masters. Choose ye, and Isaiah tells us, choose ye this day whom ye will serve. I'm going to share some text with you because... This battle cannot be won if we don't believe that God can do with us what he has promised to do. It can't be. We have to believe to receive. Isn't that what God's word says? If you believe, you shall receive. Yeah. This week, I was also taken back. I had so many things come at me this week. Someone that I have followed for several years, admired very much, encouraged others to listen to, and I found out something that he was teaching that I had no idea, no idea. I'm not gonna give you his name. You'll have to find out for yourself. But when I heard him, I heard a short excerpt from one of his messages when he was in Romania and I was mortified. I couldn't believe it and then I said, "No, this is not right. I can't just accept that. I've got to I've got to do some research." So I have I have a grandson that's very good at going and finding things and I went back and listened to some of his messages and I cried. A fundamental belief is that we can have victory in this flesh. This flesh. If we think that God's going to change us when he comes, it's too late. It's too late for that victory. To have that character reproduced in us has to happen. As the wise versions. Let it happen. They had oil in their vessel. The Holy Spirit lived in them, and they couldn't transfer it to their friends, who didn't receive it. They had the word. What is it it says in Second Thessalonians 4? This is so frightening. We need to take it more seriously. Even him who's coming, verse 9, is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. They had the truth. They loved being with God's people. They loved the truth, but they did not love the truth. They didn't allow it to come in and reign in their hearts. They didn't allow it to change them. I'm telling you, God wants to give us a heart transplant. In Ezekiel 36, what does he say? I will give you a new heart and a right spirit, will I place within you. That's the oil. That's the mind of Christ in Philippians 2, verse 5, instead of 3, verse 5. Yes. It's 2, verse 5. Well, after I dried my tears, I went to my desire of ages, and page 509 is very profound. It says, let me see. not by the decisions of courts or councils or legislative assemblies, not by the patronage of worldly great men is the kingdom of Christ established. But it is established by the implanting of Christ's nature in humanity. There's another text. I couldn't find it. But those of you who have techie and computers, you can find it. Danny could have found it for me, I'm sure. Maybe now. It says, the word destroys the earthly, natural nature. We cannot use our nature as an excuse for sin. And we don't need to live mourning about our past. We need to live giving God glory and praise for where he's brought us in spite of us. The kingdom of Christ is established by the implanting of Christ's nature in humanity through the work of the Holy Spirit, not us. For it is God who works in you to do good. It's not our work. Our work is letting God do what he wants to do. Let him accomplish what he has promised to do. Whose word do you believe? That it can't be done? What God says it can be. He who is an overcomer will be the one who enters heaven. God didn't come to save us in sin, He came to save us from sin. You know, another text 671. I'd rather share God's word than mine. This is 671, the third paragraph towards the end. Sin could be resisted and overcome only one way, through the mighty agency of the third person of the Godhead, who would come with no modified energy, but in the fullness of divine power to us, It is the spirit that makes effective what has been wrought out by the world's Redeemer. It is by the spirit that the heart is made pure. You know, the Bible says, our heart is deceitful above all things. That's our wicked, evil, natural heart. But when Ezekiel 36, 26 happens, when Christ gives us that new heart, it's the mind of Christ. It's an implant. It's not natural. It's supernatural. It is by the spirit that the heart's made pure. Through the spirit, the believer becomes a partaker of the divine nature. Christ has given his spirit as a divine power to overcome all, not some, all hereditary and cultivated tendencies to evil. and to impress his own character upon his church. Powerful! Can anyone say hallelujah, praise the Lord, thank you, Lord, for all that's possible? And forgive us for not reaching for it, for not praying for it, for not believing you, Lord for not being loyal enough to you because we didn't think it possible desire to interest page 49 it would have been an almost infinite humiliation for the son of god to take man's nature even when Adam stood in his innocence in Eden. But Jesus accepted humanity when the race had been weakened by 4,000 years of sin. Like every child of Adam, he accepted the results of the working of the great law of heredity. Well, what did every child of Adam inherit? excuse me, pardon? Sinful natures, right? Christ came with our natures to have victory. Let's look and see if we can find it in here. Let's turn to Romans 5, verse 10. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For if, when we were enemies of God, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. That's the cross, hooray, praise God. But much more, because we've been reconciled, we shall be saved, how? By his life, his life is to be our life, nothing less. Those that live to see Jesus come, this will be their experience. And this is what we should be praying for every day. We may not be full grown, but this is the goal. This is God's goal for us. I'm going to read you the strongest one, I think, of all. Page 671. We read from this before. This is the next to last paragraph, last sentence. The very image of God is to be reproduced in humanity. The honor of God. The honor of Christ is involved in the perfection of the character of his people. Do you believe this is inspired? Do you believe it's the word of God? Then it's God speaking, not me. Now, I want to take you to Romans 6, verse 12, because it says it not just here. It says it here. Let not sin therefore reign in your what body? Mortal body. What body is that? Is that the one when Jesus comes? No, it's the one you're in right now. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. We don't have to. We need to let God reign in this body and destroy the sinful nature. Our bodies will be the same, but our minds are going to be the mind of Christ. And that's what will determine our character. That was what was different about Christ. It was his mind. His body was like ours. But his mind was always on the Father, always to please the Father. There's another um, excuse me. I'm trying to find it here. I think it's um, Second First or Second Corinthians. Excuse me. Gotta find it. Wait second. second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10. I don't like to give just one text, there's more. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, <laughs> that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest where? In our body, that his life might be made clear through us. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our, what kind of flesh? Mortal, which is what flesh? this flesh that we're in today. Same as it said, as Paul said in Romans. You know, sometimes I just don't understand how it gets so hard when God makes it so simple. In verse 17 of chapter five, Paul says, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. Old things are what? Passed away. When, when people die, we say they passed away. Those old things should die. Behold, how many things become new. Ah, all things. You know, there's a message that takes us to the cross. It's called justification. By faith. You can call it legal justification. You can call it righteousness by faith. God draws us, all men, to the cross. Jesus died for the world, everyone, and he draws them all, everyone, to the cross. But you know what? If you die at that cross where we're supposed to, Galatians 2.20 What happens at that cross? I am crucified with Christ. What happens when you're crucified? You die. Right? Sometimes it might take a while with crucifixion, but you die. You come to the cross and you die. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I am now living in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I come to the cross and I die. I'm crucified, I give up self. You know, the things I was hungry for, I no longer want. The things I once loved, now I hate. The things I once never wanted, I long for. God changes us. Why? Because he picks us up. We're buried in the water we're baptism. Why? To signify our death to self, that we can be raised up and now walk in a new life with Christ. And where does he take us? Through the forgiveness and the new walk by faith. He takes us step by step into the most holy place to blot sin out, to make us his completely. And the only thing that hinders that is us. God doesn't say, I'm going to make your light shine. He says, let your light shine. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. You let it in. You let it do its work. You let it change you. I've only shared a portion. I had such a struggle this morning. What to share? Because my mind was so full of things, I didn't know where to start. I can only pray that this will just touch the surface enough for you that you'll dig. You'll dig deeper. We need to sing God's praises. We need to praise God for what he can do and will do and stop get making excuses like Abraham and Sarah why they didn't have a son like God said they would and start giving God the glory and praising him for what he can and will do in us when we surrender and let him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that your people have heard your voice today, not mine. And I pray that we all are encouraged to pick up your words, to be in it more, to read, to study, to pray, to seek counsel from you, and to have our eyes open for the things that are happening in this earth. Lord, we don't have much time, and we don't have time to just sit back and wait for people to find on their own. We need to allow you to do the work you wanna do in us, that we can be workers for you and be strong for you. Thank you for the privilege of sharing your word this morning, and I thank you, Father, for your tender mercies and your long-suffering with us. Forgive us for our slowness to learn and lack of loyalty and trust at times, and may we be uplifted, encouraged, and become loyal, dedicated soldiers that you can carry through to the end. In Jesus' name. Amen.